Five, four, three, two, one. If we have any goals this season, absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. We have to make the plays to finish the game and seal the deal. Bears Nation. Or Justin Fields taking a shot for Darnell Mooney. What a catch! Absolutely incredible from Darnell Mooney. A one-handed 39-yard grab. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. Here's Montgomery speeding ahead, spinning in for the touchdown. Jones, this is what he can do, and Bayless Jones is in for his first NFL touchdown. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Fields, underneath, he finds the former Viking Amir Smith-Marset, and it's stripped away by Dantzler. Obviously, we need to get out of bounds there. We tell the players when they're on the numbers or wider to get out of bounds. They're inside the numbers, get north. That's just a simple function of two-minute mechanics. Bears Nation. Powered by, powered by, powered by Bets. Bet stamp. Strap it in. It's Bears Nation, baby. That's the best in the city of Chicago. All right. Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, October 10th, and it's not a victory Monday, but myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always by Kevin Lapka, and once again, brought to you, powered by Betstamp. Go to Betstamp, use our code BEARS if you want to be more informed, if you want to learn more about your bets, if you want to make sure that you are making the best possible bets and making sure that you have the best chance of putting more money in your pocket. Go to Betstamp, use all the tools that they offer you, learn more, win more, and use our code BEARS to do that. So thank you, as always, to Betstamp. All right, Kevin, another loss, two losses in a row. You fall to two and three. And we all predicted it, uh, I, you know, myself, you and Kellen and man, it, it really was though a tale of two halves. It was like watching two different football games, uh, from the jump. It, it started just so atrociously. Kirk Cousins starts 17 for 17, uh, Vikings record, a personal record for him. Justin Jefferson absolutely cooks you in the first half. Looked like it was just going to be, I mean, you texted me and Kellen. You said, I can't watch much more of this. This is going to be really bad. And I agreed with you. I was like, I, I was watching my cousin do the Chicago marathon. I was watching her dog and I was like, I got to take the dog for a walk. Like I, I can't sit here and watch this right now. And as I'm walking down the street, my friend shout out Kelly texts me. She goes, Oh my God, Mooney. And I was like, okay, is that a good text or a bad (laughs) text? I don't know what's going on right now. And she goes, no, he just made a great one handed catch. I was like, okay. And, and this gets into the positive things, but I want to start with the first half and where things started because that first half was so brutal. I mean, me and you had talked about last week how the Vikings off the London game and teams records in those London game, uh, post London game, and how it wasn't great. And you had a chance to come out and maybe make a statement and maybe win. There was a path, but at least make it a competitive game. And just the cut, I mean, cousins especially, I, but the Vikings come out and they look like they've had two weeks of rest. They look like yeah. they look like they rolled out of bed a- after resting up and getting massages and just hanging out for a couple weeks and not like they were just off a game in London. And they looked great. And the Bears defense was really bad. Uh, and it looked like it was going to end. I, I quote tweeted our graphic. I said, I predicted 31 10. I might want to amend this to 51 10. Uh, didn't get there. Obviously, uh, final score was 29 22. You lose by a touchdown. Uh, we'll get to that. But 
man, that first half, it, it was brutal. I, I mean, it was like fire everyone mode almost. Yes, yeah, it was. Trust me. I was, I, those, those thoughts crossed my mind, and I'm sure they crossed the minds of a majority of Bears fans was this, this can't be right. You know, there's no way that these guys are the right guys, you know, and everything was, was falling apart at that moment. I mean, for the first 20 minutes of that game, it was one of the more embarrassing 20 minutes of a Bears football game in a long time. Like, yep. Really, probably since Rodgers put six touchdowns up against you uh, in the first half back uh, in the day. I forget what year that was, but it was bad, man. It was really bad. I mean, the first play on scrimmage for, on offense, you know, you have Kari Blazing game coming into the game too late yep. because they don't know what play they're going to run. There's a delay a game, and it's like, how, how on earth do you start a game like that? And, again, the silver lining is the adjustments they made at halftime are incredible. I mean, yeah. and, and, like, the, just the difference. I mean, because this looked like a team that was dead in the water. When mm-hmm. I was watching that game in the first half, I'm like, how is this team not 0-4 the way they're playing right now? Like, you're telling me this team is 2-2 two and two and beat the 49ers week one and, you know, even beat the Texans who just beat the Jaguars, right? Like, yep. I, I couldn't believe it. Scrappy Texans um, team. The, yeah, the, the scrappy Texans team that just, you know, is a weird team. But, again, like, you know, I, I th- for me – it's there was a storyline is more of how they responded and it is the ineptitude of you know how they played in the first half like there's sure. a lot there's there's takeaways from that first half but you think about teams around the league who are are really not good and the league has been weird where a lot of games have been close regardless mm-hmm. like i think they're they're talking about on the broadcast like a majority of these games like a record number of games have been one score games um you know coming down in the fourth quarter but for me like the way they responded and the way they came out in the second half and the and the uh, both offensive and defensive adjustments that they made is more indicative of who they are than them coming out slow and getting dominated like they did in the first half. I don't think you can throw away the first you half can't throw just it based away, on the adjustments, but, but I mean, yeah, you you would like to think it's better that it was the way it was, where you started the first half poorly and then you adjusted to have a good second half and have a chance to win the game because then you can have the argument of, okay, you're able to carry that over going forward. Now, if that's true, that remains to be seen because you're on a short week and against Mm -hmm. the bad commanders team, but we'll get to that um, later. But I do want to talk about how you mentioned the delay of game to start the game, which was just so like you haven't even played yet and you can't even get the right people on the field at the right time. But things uh, because the offense was bad in the first half and uh, as bad as the defense, but not all, and I'm and I'm going to start this discussion. I like Justin Fields had his best day mm-hmm. uh, overall 100%. on Sunday. He had his best day uh, probably since the Baltimore game or the Pittsburgh game last year. Like his best game of the year by far, and going dating back to last year, had his best day. And I mean, even that though was. He, his receivers did not help him in the first half. Two drops by Dante Pettis. Darnell Mooney's still running the wrong route. Like, off the top of my head, Justin Fields, he finished 15 for 21, probably should have finished 18 for 21, possibly with another touchdown. Probably with another touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, if not two more. So uh, uh, his receivers just did not help him out. I mean, one, Darnell Mooney just fell down. That's tough. One, he ran the wrong route. Uh, and then Pettis, two, just brutal drops. Like, really atrocious drops. So, I mean, Justin Fields, he had a good day, should have been an even better day. 
You could say it's the best day for a Bears quarterback since 2020 when Mitch Trubisky had a 124 passer rating against the Houston Texans, and Justin Fields' 118 passer rating yesterday against the Vikings was the first time the Bears have had a 100-plus passer rating since that game, Mitch Trubisky against the Texans in 2020. So, like, the stats prove, and uh, we saw it with our eyes, that this was probably the best game for a Bears quarterback in, in nearly two years and definitely the best game of Justin Fields' career. I mean, you talked about adding the completions there. You, you probably could add a 50-yard rushing touchdown there as well. I yep. mean, it's kind of a yeah. knick-knack call with Amir Smith-Marset. Like, I, I don't—I can't—I'm not frustrated about it. Like, I'm frustrated about it, but you yeah. can't really blame the refs. You know, Dantzler did a good job of selling it, you know what I mean? It like, was. It's, it's annoying. It was a good sell job. I think what you saw from Justin Fields was, you know, there was all this chatter, and we talked about throughout the week, you know, how can he— rebound from this how can he look different and we said you know he needs to get his confidence back he needs to get back into a rhythm he needs to be comfortable yep. and that's exactly what he was you know what I mean I mean he, he was very poised in the pocket and then he went in the postgame press conference and admitted that you know in the first couple of weeks you know he got a little bit daunted by the defensive pressure that was coming at him and he said against Minnesota yeah the protection was a little bit better but he was more poised in the pocket not flustered when the when the pressure came at him and that was huge man I mean that was the reason why you saw him have a, such a successful day is he felt confident he was hitting, you know, the, the short under routes that we have been talking about for weeks that they need to run. They Getsu attacked the middle of the job. defense. They attacked the middle of the defense. Uh, they made things easy for him, and they got into a rhythm. And, and, Jake, I'll be honest, it got to the point for me. Like, it was so good for me that by the time we got to that fourth quarter final drive, 2 minutes, 20 seconds, they called the timeout. Um, and, and, you know, they're left with, you know, 2 minutes, 26 seconds, one timeout left. And I'm sitting, I'm watching so the game my dad. So two, two yeah. timeouts. Uh, right, right, because the two-minute warning. I said after they score the touch, after the Vikings score the touch on a two-point conversion, I turned to my dad and I was like, that's too much time. Like that's yeah. like I honestly felt that good about the offense. And you know, they were moving the ball they before were. before the Amherst Smith Marset fumble on a you know doofus play. I they would have I think they would have scored a touchdown. Now it would have been so embarrassing to way. miss an extra point and like not sure. get it to overtime. But I mean they got that screen to Montgomery, and then the, the I believe the following play was the Smith Marset play, and Justin yep. Fields was on it. And like it, it's frustrating because like, I think he's already pretty much erased a lot of the narratives after that game. Like, he's pretty much erased a lot of the narratives. And this is what I want to get to next is we've talked so much about where does the blame lie? Who? What, what's mm-hmm. the problem here? And I think a lot of the frustration and confusion for Bears fans was, you know, no one knows where the problem is. People don't know if Justin Fields is a good quarterback. People don't know mm-hmm. if, you know, Luke Getzey's an inept play caller. People don't know if, like, the personnel is not good enough. Like, who? where is the blame being placed? And I think after yesterday— we have discovered and we have realized that Justin Fields is that guy. He may not, you know, at this it's it's too early to say he's still going to be top ten quarterback in the league, but you know he can. He's he's right now, after yesterday, he's going to be on the team next year at least. And if you sure. surround him with the right pieces and you bring in a couple guys from the draft and you know DJ Moore now that the fires pants of Matt Rule, it's a conversation I want to have in a little bit. Uh, you know, free agent wide receivers next year that this offense can I think be at least serviceable. I'm not going to say sure. really good yet because it's way too early to say that, but at least, you know, something close to what we saw yesterday. So I was extremely happy with what I saw from Justin Fields. Yeah, I don't think you can completely erase the narratives. I will say the conversation has changed. Like, the conversation now changes because we talked about, and I mean, listen to anybody, they talked about this Minnesota defense. They're not elite. They're not great, but they're good. They're above average defense in Minnesota. And we had talked about the pass rush we were a little bit worried about but there were going to be spots where you could attack them. The conversation has changed. The narrative isn't, not even the narrative, but the 
the thoughts about Justin Fields haven't completely been wiped away. But the conversation has changed mm-hmm. now because, yeah, there are still concerns. Like, obviously, one game, one half, really, against the Vikings isn't going to completely erase everything that we've seen in the four weeks prior. Can you carry it over, especially on a short week, against a beatable commander's team, against an average, probably at best, commander's defense? Can you carry that over? Now, And that's going to say a lot. Now, if it was... And it's going to say even more because it is a short week. If you had the extra couple days to get to Sunday, then you'd be like, yeah, we expect this now. It'll say even more if you can do it quick turnaround on the short week against the commanders and you still play like you did in the second half, then that will continue to shift the conversation and then continue to erase some of the things that we thought were maybe true about Justin Fields, myself included, where I said he just might not be the guy. Mm-hmm. He might just stink. If he can turn around and take this into the commanders week and play like he did, then yeah, I, I will start to believe that Justin Fields is the guy again. I mean, on that 50-yard touch down run the way that he uh, just the evade of pressure and then just he kept it seemed like he saw everyone and where they were going to end up before they even got there it was great vision it was a great bit of running unfortunate that didn't result in a touchdown but those are the type of things that he can do even on some of the times he did evade pressure there was one I forget what it was he made a spin move out of the pocket and it was a it was a beautiful spin like it was just a really athletic move and it was just those are the things he can do and then even the throw to Mooney where Mooney fell down that was a great throw and I mean the throws to Pettis were also right there too and everyone's saying oh well, the catch by Mooney was so great like that you know and it was unbelievable um you know the catch was great but the throw he he put the ball mm-hmm. there to give his receiver a chance to make a play and that's what you have to do give your playmakers a chance to make the plays and I, I honestly would obviously the conversations about Justin Fields and the guys on the actual field I was encouraged by Luke Getze's play calling as well I was I, I did not mm-hmm. agree with Every single play call. Obviously, that's never going to happen. The two-point call was atrocious. That was really bad because it got— not, The concept has worked for a lot of The concept has worked over, but, but when you see—because the Vikings clearly knew what was going to happen right, right away. They, somebody, whether it's Justin Fields or Luke Getze, has to make the call to check out of that play. That is what I would have liked to see, but that's something you can live with at least. For the most part, the play calling was better because you get, put your playmakers in a position to succeed. Cole Komet was in the middle of the field all day long mm-hmm. and not two or three yards. He was six, seven, eight yards down the field and then took another because like we've talked about on the show, the man doesn't go down on first contact. I mean, how many times have we seen yes. Cole Komet catches the ball and then he rumbles for a moment? They say that every time on the broadcast. He rumbles for it. He, he gets extra yards. <laughs> He gets extra yards. That's what he does. That's a great way to utilize Cole Komet. He's not going to be George Kittle. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey, but he can be someone that is very useful to you in those situations for those like small chunk plays for seven to 12 yards. And he did it a couple times to get a first down on Sunday. And that's what you want to see. Darnell Mooney showed him down the sidelines a couple times. Now, did he run the wrong route once? Yes. Did he fall down once? Yes. But still also made that one into catch, gave him an opportunity outside the numbers to make a play. Got to do that with him. Now, to your point, when you start adding more talent, whether that be a DJ Moore, whether that be, um, oh, what's his face at Ohio State? Jackson, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Whether that be him or whoever, as you start to add guys, now you're starting to feel a little bit better. Again, if this carries on, this is one game. Got to see the consistency like we've talked about all year. Got to see that you can rely on Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet going forward, that Justin Fields can continue to make this. Then you'll feel better about putting more guys around them and to help supplement the offense. I knew that things had changed in this game as far as the play calling uh, in the first you know, I mean, even the, even the first play of the game, the David Montgomery 30 yard screen, the slip screen that we've been talking about that we've wanted to see since, you know, going back years. We saw that 
We saw, and then I think the next throw was a Cole Komet just chunk play six yards right in the middle because they were giving it to you. Take what the defense gives you. That was really encouraging to me from Luke Etsy. Not trying to do too much. Just take what they give you and then take the shots when you can. Even if it doesn't work out, if Darnell Mooney does fall down or if Dante Pettis has cinder blocks for hands, you occasionally get the Darnell Mooney one-handed catch or the Dave Montgomery's yes. chunk screenplay. Like, that was great. The delay of game, the past bears, you would have been dead right away. And it, to be fair, it looked like you were anyway. Sure but the past Bears would have never come back with a 30-yard screen like that. And you were like, you know, I'm sitting there as a Bears fan, delay a game to start thinking, oh, great, here we go. This is going to be an absolute slug. Oh, wait, 30-yard screenplay. Okay, maybe you made up for it right away. Okay, maybe not. All right, maybe you're alive here. And then it turns out in the second half you were, uh, despite getting smacked around. So very encouraging spots from Justin Fields and Luke Getze. Got to carry it over into Thursday night against the Commanders. We'll see what happens there. But Definitely some encouragement. Definitely some things, that some positives. Way more than we've had in the last few mm-hmm. weeks. I would agree. Now, and the two-point conversion, the only problem I have with that, I don't really hate the play design. I just would like them to get it to a guy who's, you know, a bona fide star on that offense. Well, you don't have any. There aren't. Well, you know, not a bona fide star, but, you know, put it in the, in the best player's hands. So I, I would say either in, in those situations, just let Justin, you know, design something for him to run it in, give it to mm-hmm. Dave Montgomery. But if, or if you're going to run that, you know, sort of screen, uh, it was uh, like kind of a wide receiver screen with yeah. like three blockers up front, you know, throw that to uh, Donna Mooney instead. Like, I don't love Dante Pettis getting the ball in that situation, right. but nonetheless, Here's the thing I have to say about the offensive first before I break down sort of what I liked about what they did. The thing that I didn't like the most was Velas Jones Jr. plays the first snap of his NFL career in the red zone, scores a touchdown on his first NFL snap and doesn't see the field for the rest of the game. Right. And it's mind-boggling. It makes zero sense. I mean, we, we've we talked about this for weeks now. You know, this Bears offense, like, you know, Vela Stone Jr., he's a third-round rookie, but he's going to change some things. He's going to, the way he can, you know, surprise the defense a little bit, I think that touchdown was a nice little end-around, you know, a little toss play. Um, technically a pass. Technically unquote, a pass, which but, is, hey, we'll take yeah. it. We'll take it. Um and those again, those are the kind of things that you know can really confuse defenses. You know, and they get you in the end zone. And why he wasn't out there for the rest of the game just blows my mind. If he's healthy enough to run in a toss crack play for a touchdown, that he's healthy enough to play the rest of the game. Like unless he's on sort of a pitch count, but even then, he can play more than one snap. He played once. I'm pretty sure he played one snap all game. Right. I mean, did you see him on the field any at all? Uh, aside he was, from that, he, he was out there a was couple he? other times, was but it, that was his only other touch. Okay, like that was the only t- other time he was really involved with the ball. And then, hey, maybe he's out there at the end of the game instead of Imer Smith Marset, and he's smart enough because he's seventy-five years old to go right. out of bounds. Famously. You know what I mean? But okay, about Luke Getzi in the second half, and, and really throughout the game, honestly, you know they did a great job of sticking with the pass. You know, right. when, when they did, noticed yeah. Justin Fields got into a groove, they stuck with it, and I loved that. That was something they haven't done in the first five weeks. But in order to get him into the groove, they were doing. All, he must listen to Bears Nation podcast because they were doing be. everything that we talked only about last week. They said, you know, or, or we said rather. Just make things easy for him. Allow him to get into a rhythm. You know what I mean? Find find the quick out routes. Get guys open. Get the ball into your best player's hands. Let him run a little bit. And they did just that. The blocking was great on those screen plays, but the designs were good. Make things easy for Justin. They got him into a rhythm. They got Kokomet over the field. Again, a couple of those out routes. I think there was a couple of EQ St. Brown that just kind of got him into a rhythm. Yep. And then, boom, you're right. Then you can take that shot to Darnell Mooney. Then he's confident. And that's how you get into a position where – coming down to it, two minutes, 30 seconds left in the game, your quarterback is prepared and confident for that moment because of everything you had set up in the first three quarters. So I got to give a little bit of credit to Luke Getze. 
can things be better? Yeah, but like sure. in that game, cons- like uh, considering the personnel issues that were very clear and, and the talent uh, issues that were very clear on that field, I, I thought it was it was a it was a, a well called game by Luke Getzey. And again, if, if you talk about Justin Fields' stat line. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 41 times, all right? If Justin Fields had thrown the ball 42 times, which is double the amount of attempts he had, his numbers would have been 416 yards and two touchdowns. Well, that's right? assuming, assuming he continued well, on pace, the path. Right? Yes. Uh, you know, we're on pace for that. So, no, I mean, it, it's it's there, man. It's there. Well, again, consistency is the thing that's like, if this is the only game that this happens, then we're right back to where we started uh, prior to this game. You have to see if they can carry it over against a very, very beatable commander's team, and then from there on, continue to build those up. That's the most important part of all of this. Um, You referenced it a little bit earlier, briefly, what Justin Fields had to say after the game about how he was speeding things up, how he felt like, you know, seeing guys fly all around the field, he was then trying to speed up his progressions, and he's now realized he just has to play at his own pace. I'm fine with that. In his young career, that's fine. At least he's realizing it and being like, oh, I can just trust my protection and go through at my own pace and kind of set the tone myself instead of, you know, speeding myself up and getting panicked. Great. Appreciate that he's saying that. That does worry me a little bit in the sense of the entire time that Mitch Trubisky was in Chicago. That was always the conversation. Oh, well, he gets happy feet. Oh, well, he gets a little bit nervous. Oh, he gets antsy in the pocket. And that was always like, oh, well, look at this when he's slowing it down. Oh, look at this with clean protection. We did that for four years. And I worry that we will f- fall into that trap. Now, if this doesn't come up again and it's like, oh, and at the end of the year we hear, yeah, you know, in that Vikings game, I realized that, oh, I, I got to settle into my own rhythm and settle in my own pace. And then I kept that all year. Great. That's the mm-hmm. ideal situation. I worry that we're going to fall into this. Oh, well, you know, is he at his own pace? Is he not? Is he getting happy feet like we heard so much with Mitch Trubisky? Is he getting antsy in the pocket? So on and so forth. We need to not hear about this again. Like this needs to be the first time and last Correct. time that it comes up. Because And if that happens, then we know that's another green flag that Justin Fields is that guy. Yes. All right. Saw the problem. Now has corrected it in his brain going forward. Never going to hear about it again. That like I would love to come back here in four months and be like, oh yeah, that was something we never talked about again. Justin Fields clearly made the mental adjustment, and it shows that he can now going forward make those mental adjustments when he realizes a problem, and then we don't have to worry about it again. Would love to be there. Just it, that is a little bit worrying for me as of right now. That could obviously be erased, you know, a, a week from now. Right, and and some of it is out of his hands. Again, if the pressure is just there and and, and the protection's really bad, you know, right. you, you can't sure. blame him in those situations. But the the recognition part at least is good, right? You know, we like to see the recognition part. But the second step of that is, you know, you recognize, you fix, and then you 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 stay consistent. And you're right that you know it's it's it could get worrisome if it's you know. He's he's confident that you know he's not confident right. again. Flip, right, flop, he's back, flip, he's flip flop. flop right because that's exactly the same thing we do with Mitch Trubisky. But that's why when you really think about Justin Fields as a player, and this is something that I've talked about about him for you know since he was drafted, is you know he doesn't really make the same mistake twice. Once mm-hmm. he finds the mistakes and corrects it, like he doesn't typically go back to those old tendencies and those old mistakes. And and he's you know so determined. To, to fix those mistakes and be the best, that I think that's going to be something that continues. And, it, and it's it's amazing. I think part of the reason why we're so excited about 
you know, really the game that he had, but, you know, really the second half. Again, 12 for 13, 135 yards, a touchdown passing, and five rushes for 36 yards in that second half. The reason why we're so excited about it is we had talked about, you know, they need that game for him to build that foundation and, and start, you know, getting a little bit momentum. And we had thought that it was going to be the Texans game. We had thought that it was going right. to be the Giants game. And we were like, oh, you're, you know, you're going to build that momentum against those, you know, worse defenses. And, you know, maybe the Giants aren't that bad after all. Um, yeah. Four and one, just beat the Packers in London. But... And then, oh, you can carry that momentum against, you know, Minnesota and then against the commanders. So for him to start building that momentum against a better defense, against a really good front four that, you know, was getting after him um, pretty much all game. And then the secondary that, you know, they had a couple injuries, but Cameron Dancer, Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith holding it down back there. For him to do that and build that momentum against that team to me is the difference because, if this had happened, be, admit it to yourself, and for everyone who's listening can probably admit it to themselves as well, if it had happened against the Giants or the Texans, at that moment you're probably saying, well, it's the Giants and the Texans. Does it really mean anything, right? You took sure. advantage of a worse team. But now that he did it against a better defense, a defense that's proven to take away guys like Aaron Rodgers already this year, it's a little bit more like, Oh, you know, you know, we can't we can't just say that the defense was the reason that a poor defense is the reason why he succeeded. And to go, you know. When you look at the schedule here now, so they play the Commanders on Thursday. And this also, I think, is important. And we talked about this in the pregame show. Uh, we said, would you rather have, like, Jalen Johnson and, you know, uh, who else? Who, who, who's the other guy that was out? Uh, Nikhil Harry play mm-hmm. on Sunday and then risk kind of re-aggravating the injury and not play Thursday? Or would you rather have him sit out on Sunday, get a little bit healthy, play Thursday, and then after that you have an 11-day rest period because you have to play the Patriots on Monday Night Football following that, so you have a big Mm -hmm. rest. And I think they might have made this sort of decision that they know the Commanders game is a more winnable game. They're at home. They're a 1-4 team. Let those guys get healthy. You know, have them play Thursday, and if they re-aggravate anything on Thursday, then they have 11 days to heal up and get ready for the game against the Patriots, where if you beat the Commanders, that game against the Patriots could be a game where you could get over 500 if you win in Foxborough. Um, But you look at the schedule here, and all of a sudden, there's a heck of a lot of winnable games on the schedule, and they're lucky because of it, but they play the Commanders at home on Thursday night, then they play the Patriots on the road in Foxborough, and that could be a Bailey Zappi-led team. But even if it is a Mac Jones-led team, although they just shut out the Lions... That's that's a winnable game, right? That's that's a winnable game. That's not a game where you're just sure. you're outclassed from a talent standpoint. Sure. After that, you play the Cowboys in Dallas. That could still very well be a Cooper Rush led team. And although but they're a five and zero, yeah. Although they're a five and zero team with Cooper Rush, um, or he's five and zero as a starter. They're a four and one team right now. It's still it's still Cooper. At some point, that the Cooper defense, Rush experience is, is going to end. That Dallas yeah. defense is. It's, Micah Parsons oh, is probably yeah. the defensive player of the year. I'm sure Joe O was yes. talking about that with the odds this morning. Um, and then after that, you play at home against Miami, which you might not have Tua in that game or Teddy Bridgewater. He just sure. went out last week. Then you play the Lions at home. Then you play the Falcons and the Jets. Like they, He picked the perfect time to start building that momentum because you have a seven-game stretch here where I think you have a real good shot of going 5-2. and two. You know, say if you lose to maybe the Cowboys and the Patriots, or the, it's, it, you could win against one, the Falcons, two, the Lions, three, the Jets, four, you know, the Commanders, and then one of the three between the Patriots, Cowboys, and Dolphins. Like, if they build, if if that momentum carries over to this next seven-game stretch, like, this could be this could be a really important stretch for Justin Fields' career coming up. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that having the Commanders and the Patriots before that Dallas game, which, I mean, that would be on the road and as well in Jerry World. That yes. would be very tough. 
But yeah, I mean, you need these, you need this progression, you need this consistency to start right now. And that starts obviously on Thursday night uh, when you host the Commanders, uh, a game that you will be at, Kevin. So we'll be there. Yeah, I mean, it starts now. If you want any hope of, because two and three, you're not dead. If you want any hope of being in the fabled, in the hunt graphic, or fighting for a playoff spot at the end, you need to take advantage of the spot because then after that Jets game, you have Packers, Eagles, Bills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's not great. You no. there's a real chance you go 0 and 3 there. Very um, real which chance. then would put you at 7 and 8 going into the last two games. So which honestly would be about where I expected the Bears to be the whole time, but obviously it depends. And a lot of obviously when you sit and you look at it on paper, we just saw the ideal version of this Bears team uh, in the second half of the Minnesota game, but you still have to take it into account. Like the defense was bad yesterday. I mean, especially in that first half. I mean, the defense was bad, and this is supposed to be Eberflus's area of expertise. And granted, you tightened it up in the second half. You you got it together in the second half, uh, and you were able to kind of corral Kirk Cousins and especially Justin Jefferson. He was basically uh, a non-existent in the second half. Uh, you only let up eight points, and obviously that was the one touchdown where you end up losing the game, but. I mean, this defense, I mean, you allowed over five yards per carry to Dalvin Cook all day. The start was terrible. He, the defense, I mean, we talked about the tackling issues. We talked about I, it's bad. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's not good. And, and granted, facing Carson Wentz is always going to fix that problem for you. But, I mean, the last couple of weeks, the defense has looked very bad and looked exposed. And and for me, if I'm being honest, it's it's felt like they're just getting outclassed by the opposing offensive person or, or the offensive coaching staff. You know what I mean? This is two weeks in a row now where I feel like Allen Williams has been completely outclassed, right? You talk about sure. what happened in New York and what Brian Dable did to you with just the the complete, you know, foolishness of the uh, of the uh, the rollouts and the bootlegs and, and, you know, no one being able to set the edge and contain on those plays. I mean, that yep. was really, really concerning. Um, and then this week... Ha I mean, happened all day on Sunday, too. Kirk Cousins would just roll out. And great, we I talked mean, about Kirk Cousins can't run that much, but he can move you with his eyes and on the bootlegs, killed you all day until the Kindle Vildor interception, obviously. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, killed you all day on bootlegs. Called, I mean, we, we said it in the pregame show. They said they call it third most play action, you know, plays in the league. They're going to do stuff like that. And they're going to they're gonna be able to fool you, especially if they have success in the running game, which they did. Um, but I, I'm a little bit concerned about that because... And here's part of the reason why I'm concerned is for back-to-back -back weeks now, you haven't really taken away the best player in the opposing team. And sometimes there, there's – sometimes, you know, the guy's just really fucking good. And Justin Jefferson is just really freaking good. And so is Saquon Barkley. But there was too many times where Justin Jefferson is left wide open. It's yeah. not that he's beating Kyler Gordon in man coverage or beating – A couple times he did. A though. couple times he did. And he's going to because he's, you know, a he's top really two good. wide receiver in the <laughs> NFL. You know? But – there was too many times where the best play, you lost the best player on the field. Yes. And how does that happen? Throughout the whole week, it should be on every single whiteboard at Hallis Hall, neutralize Justin Jefferson. That's the goal. That's right. the plan. You take him away. If you, if K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen beats you, so what? They beat you. But you're right. not so going to let the best player by far on the field that day beat you. That's that's That should be the goal. Uh, and I just I was a little bit concerned by you know how much – open space there was when he got the ball and it's just it's you know they did a good job and you have to get a there little were a bit couple of times where he made a catch and there was nobody around him nobody for three four or five mm -hmm. yards 
And again, give, give credit to Kevin O'Connell. You know, he it's called really a great good. game. Get those guys open. They did a lot of motions with him, and a lot of times where he would motion the other side of the field, and he would end up getting matched up by uh, with like Jalen Jones, or you know, the undrafted rookie. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Well, you know, everyone knows where the ball is going on this play." Right. You know what I mean? So a little bit of credit to that, but it's just, it's like obviously we we understand again. I, I came to this realization last week that man, like the the talent just isn't great on that side of the ball, and not having Jalen Johnson hurts a little bit. But, you know, when Matt Adams is looking like your best linebacker, there's probably some issues there, and, and the front four can't yep. get any pressure. But I, I was a li- I'm a little bit more concerned about, you know, the way that they have been preparing for these games and the way that they've, you know, schemed the defense in the, in the first, you know, or just really in the last few weeks than I am about the, the talent that is there right now. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it, it is somewhat on the talent, but just, yeah. Well, like sure it is. I mean, yes, it is. Like but. When, when Justin Jefferson, like if he, like there was one route in the first quarter where Justin Jefferson, he just beat Kyler Gordon. Like, I mean, that's like you said, that's going to happen, but there were a couple catches still where there was nobody around him for five yards in any direction. And it's just, you can't let that happen. I know you're working with two rookies in your secondary and a lot of turnover uh, on the front Three, line. If you but include Jalen Jones, right? Fair. Yeah, true. So, I know you're trying to make certain things work, but it's Justin Jefferson for five yards. Because then look what happened. Look what happened when you when you made the adjustment in the second half. Just, I mean, Justin Jefferson outside the two point conversion really didn't do anything to you in the second half. He had a couple catches here and there, but nothing even close to what happened in the first half. And look what happened. They only scored one eight points. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one touchdown by the Vikings. So credit where credits due there. Correct. But I mean, you got to make those. I mean, after the first quarter, like those adjustments should have been made. I, I mean, it's. And arguably, it shouldn't have even started like that. So mm-hmm. it, it's just it's tough from that standpoint. And again, you get to face Carson once this week, and that'll always make you look better and, and boost your confidence. You hope, um, but it, it was just a tough look for Elm Williams in the defense, especially when defense is supposed to be the thing that kind of kept you afloat. Now we'll see what happens when Jalen Johnson comes back and see what kind of boost that gives you, if any. I mean, it will, but. I mean, we'll see what happens, but this defense is concerning because, like you said, I mean, some of those games late in the year, if you're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, I mean, what do you think Jalen Hurts is going to do to you? What do you think Josh Allen's going to do to you? What do you think Rodgers is going to do to you again? It's tough, so you have to be ready for that. Uh, You can't blame it all on Jalen Johnson being gone. You have to be ready. I will say Kyler Gordon looked a little bit better. There weren't weren't as many bad plays. Uh, He had a couple solid coverages, a couple solid where I was like, okay, Kyler Gordon actually playing pretty well. That man hits pretty hard, too. That guy hits really hard. For his size, too. Yes. Uh, you know, like, it, every time there's a slow motion, you know, slowed down version of a Kyler Gordon hit, it makes me cringe. But, I mean, <laughs> he is starting to progress a little bit, which is what we were saying with him. You can afford to have patience. Rookie who missed, you know, most of the offseason with an injury. So, there's little things to take that are getting a little bit better. And it's just now you need to roll it over into the Commanders game. I would say that was the best game of Kyler Gordon's career. I mean, his sure. tackling in open space was phenomenal. Yeah. Especially because that, you know, that's, we go back to the hints principle and the reason you brought Matt Eberflus here and, you know, making plays like that, where those were plays that were not made last year and they result in more first downs and, and you know, the offense continuing drives and he, he was locked down. And again, you know, the takeaways, 
you know, they only got one. They only got that Kendrick Wilder interception, but at least they got one, right? Like last, if this, again, this team last year probably gets no takeaways in that game, they don't even give you a chance. And, and those are plays that change the game. They don't even sniff this being a one score game if he doesn't get that interception. And yes, it was a terrible decision by Kirk Cousins. He had CJ Ham uh, underneath on a check down wide open. But, you know, they still have this knack for the football. They still have this, you know, idea of, you know, getting after the ball, getting takeaways, and, it, and it's going to keep them close in games going forward. So, yeah, they're going to benefit from getting Jalen Johnson back. This this stat, though, from Kevin Seifer from ESPN Stats and Info is just absolutely ridiculous. Kirk Cousins threw 41 passes on Sunday, and none of them were into a tight window. A tight window is categorized by one or fewer yards of separation by next-gen stats. That is the most attempts without a tight window throw since next-gen stats began tracking in 2016. So, again, that you chalk that up to probably bad coverage by the, the secondary, but also the fact that Guys were just open, you know, yep. no, no tight windows. Um, so I, I always Vikings fans are coming in my mentions and I'm like, I, I don't think they're that good. Like they're okay. They're a good team. Yeah. But when it comes down to it in the playoffs, I, I don't, I don't really think they're going to do anything, but let's talk about Eberflus real quick. I want to, I want to address this because again, unfortunately the conversation that's going to exist for the rest of time now is going to be, well, the Bears should have hired Brian Dabble and he's four and one with the Giants. And, you know, that comparison's always going to be made. And I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's it's sort of unfair that, you know, Matt Eberflus is is going to be evaluated in a comparison game now with Brian Dabble. But I I've been content. I've been content with Matt Eberflus as a head coach, okay? Because I think one of the most redeeming qualities and important qualities you can have as a young head coach with a really, really young team is the ability to, number one, handle adversity well, and number two, make really good halftime adjustments. And they've proven that now in a couple, and a lot of games that they can do that. You know, the Niners game, you're down 10. This game, you're down 21 to 3. I don't know if they were ever, they were never down in the Houston game, but, you know, the Houston came back, they still prevailed and won. Um, that Packers game, you know, the, you didn't really let it get out of hand. You know, no game has really gotten out of hand sure. for you. You know what I mean? Uh, the Giants game, again, not really out of hand. But j- just the ability to show that they can make those changes at halftime. And I think what that proves is the players buy into it. You know what I mean? Right. They listen to what he has to say. You're at in the these half. games for You're the most part. You're in these games, and, and that's a good thing. But you got that feeling near the end of the Nagy tenure that, it, no one was really listening to what he had to say. Agree. You know. You know. Oh. You know. We're we're gonna we're gonna be you and change everything. And, and it, you just didn't see the product of that on the field. I think you're seeing the product of what Matt Eberflus is preaching, not just at halftime, but before the game hits. You know, is still is still relevant. You know, and you still see guys for the most part hustling and and, and having intensity late in the game, and that's why you're closing these games. So. What is what has been your honest evaluation of Matt Eberflus? I don't want you to, to like take away the comparisons to Dabble or any other first-year head coach this year, Kevin O'Connor being one of them, who's also looked pretty good. Just your honest opinion of Matt Eberflus without the comparison game. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's been about what we expected. Uh, to your point about Matt Nagy and people not listening to him at the end, it seemed like he had lost the locker room, yada, yada, yada. I will say something that Eberflus does well is, you know, in post game and during the week, he says like, okay, this is something that we need to work on, or this is something we we can do better going forward, so on and so forth. And then for the most part, he has delivered on that. Like if he says, okay, this is something Correct. we're going to adjust. Um, okay. This is something that we're going to work on. It generally shows up in the game then, like whether that be a halftime adjustment or something that they've worked on during the week, maybe that they've uh, corrected from the previous week. For the most part, he's done that because we know that Matt Eberflus, he's not calling plays. 
on offense or defense. He's being pretty hands-off, being more of an overseer, um, which is what, you know, was a criticism of Matt Nagy was that he was he tried to have his fingers and everything, which was obviously mm-hmm. what didn't work. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I give him a solid B, I think is all he can do five weeks into his first. Yeah. I mean, five weeks into his first year as an NFL head coach. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfectly fine grade. Um, I don't think it's, you know, obviously after the, uh, what was it? After the green Bay game, I was pretty fired up that he stunk. Uh, he he's made for the most part, these adjustments. Uh, and I know obviously that he's not the play caller. So that, you know, kind of, Gives him a little bit more credibility uh, because now it's got to be on more of the coordinators. But yeah, I mean, I'd give him a B. I think he's been solid. I I'm not gonna say like he's the guy for sure. Like he's yeah, absolutely, he's gonna be here for ten years. But I have more faith that I have a decent bit of faith that he can be successful and have a successful career in Chicago. How'd you feel about the onside kick in the second quarter? I so this is immediately following the failed two point conversion. I don't hate it. I mean, it's good for your players to see that you trust them. Correct. Um, because that was more, okay, I, I believe in what the offense is starting to put together so much. I want to get them the ball immediately. And I believe in the defense enough that in the likely event that we don't recover this, that they can hold the Vikings and keep points off the board, which they did. Granted, it helped that you got a blocked field goal, um, but didn't allow more points after that. So overall, a positive for you because it, it didn't end up and you didn't get burned. So I do kind of like that. I like the aggressiveness. I like the aggressiveness to go for two in that scenario too. Um, and then immediately follow with the onside kick because he didn't have to go for two in that situation. You had a whole nother half of football right mm-hmm. ahead of you. So I respect it. I think that it was a good spot for it. I think it was calculated. Um, you know, so I, I don't hate it. I, 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 I appreciate the aggressiveness there. And I think to a certain extent, We've seen development from Matt Eberflus in that area and really the coaching staff of, of a little bit more aggressiveness. And, and we, we really saw it this week when, you know, considering how much they passed. And, and I, I was really happy to see that there was a little bit more aggressiveness and a little bit more urgency, you know, in that game in general, but really in that second half. Now, here's the thing. The only thing that has been kind of bothering me about Eberflus so far in the offensive staff, and, you know, this is what frustrates fans the most, I think, is when a coach is resistant to change you know you know we all see it and they know way more than we do and they're in the locker room every single day and they understand the team they know the team like the back of their hand we get that right but when it's something as obvious as Sam Mustafer is probably the worst starting player at any position in the NFL right now and there's no change that that's where things get frustrating like think about it again you know we I hate to always just like compare it to the Nagy era but it's just the, the most relevant recent thing that we can do sure. the thing that frustrated the most uh, frustrated us the most about that was all we heard was okay these are the problems we're going to identify these problems and nothing nothing changes nothing ever changes you know we're, we're not giving excuse me other guys opportunities we're not giving the younger guys opportunities and and that's why I'm a little bit confused because what we heard from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and everyone in the offseason was oh you know the young guys are going to play Every, everyone's going right. to get a chance everyone's getting uh, get an opportunity right and you look back at it now and you're like okay clearly there are guys on the team that, that just can't be out there right now Sam Mustafer is one of them uh, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson should be playing over Jalen Jones, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there's certain things where everyone sees it and there's no change. And it's like, you know, what do you have to lose? Like, you understand the situation your team is in. And it's not to say that bringing in those guys is going to make your team worse. Heck, it's going to make your team better. Like, putting Lucas Patrick at center and putting le- uh, Michael Schofield at left guard or even Jatera Carter at left guard is probably going to make your team better. 
Like, for all we know, you're going to be a better team because yep. of it. I mean, in that first drive, was that the second play of the game that he snapped it when Justin Fields went to the line of scrimmage to try to change yep. the play? I mean, I just, I, are you the kidding me? The illegal motion, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, it like, it just makes no sense. So that's really, like, the last, that or the next step for this coaching staff. Again, I've seen good development and aggressiveness standpoint, and we've seen good things from halftime adjustments is, Give, the, give more guys a chance, you know? Be, well, they be won't willing. do it this don't week on a short week. Change. It won't happen this week on the short week. Maybe it won't. I mean, I don't... I mean, <sighs> Iberflus already said that today and tomorrow they're just doing meetings and walkthroughs, and then they're actually doing a full practice Wednesday with helmets. So they're... And then another walkthrough Thursday morning. Like, they're, it's not going to happen this week. Now, that, okay. now, that extended period that we talked about between the Commanders game and the Patriots game, that's, that's right. probably where you'll see yeah. anything with the lineup change. Because you, you're not with three days, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, you're right. Uh, do you have anything else on this game? Because I have one more thing I want to address before Go for we it. close out. Uh, well, real quick, let's let's talk about the uh, Amir Smith-Marset play at the end okay. where he gets stripped. And, and the only thing I want to say about this is I think there's a lot of people that are going to correlate this to bad coaching. And, oh, he's not getting coached to go out of bounds in that moment. That is not true. Darnell Mooney said in the postgame um, that – Everyone on that roster knew, uh, on the field knew at that moment that if you get the ball, you should go out of bounds. And and Amir Smith-Marset admitted that that would have been the smart play as well. I think the problem with that is it, sometimes in those moments, especially given the circumstances, this was his former team. He's getting the ball late in the game. You think about as a player what's going on in your head in that moment. All you want to do is just make a play yeah. that's just going to stick it to him and say, you shouldn't have waved me. Here I am back in this stadium, you know, doing it to you after you, uh, you know, got rid of me. Uh, I, I'm not going to chalk that up to bad coaching. He's not being taught to go out of bounds. That's just a situation where, you know, a player just tried, tried to do too much. And we see that all yeah. the time, regardless of what uh, coach is, regardless of who the coach is for those players. So uh, I, you know, it's a, it's frustrating it's really annoying because, again, we talked about how we think Justin Fields could have gone down and scored there, but I'm not going to say that's indicative of bad coaching that he made that play. No, yeah, I think it was just a guy trying to fight for extra yards, mm-hmm. you know, help the team a little bit more, and then just got out, you know, was out of his depth. Uh, you know, sucks, but I I said this on Becky all day this morning with Joe, like, that's the ideal situation. Justin Fields plays well, a couple of your playmakers play well, mm-hmm. and you lose the game. <laughs> like you're because you're probably not going to be a playoff team more than likely. Because yeah, we're saying that you have this nice stretch. Of, it's probably not going to go all wins or the way that we predict. Like there's probably going to be because this is a young team and they're going to make mistakes, and you're probably just going to have a couple losses that you know maybe should have been wins, like this game against the Vikings, and they aren't. And so you're probably not going to be a playoff team. That was the ideal situation. Justin Fields has possibly his best game of his Chicago tenure, definitely his best game of the season, and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet show signs of life. Matty Reflus shows some aggressiveness and some things that you like, and you still lose the game, and you still are in line for the better draft pick. That's what you want. At this at this stage, that's what you want. Moral victory. Like I mean, that's and, and not even moral victory, but it's just it, factually, factually, not even morally. Right, right. Factually, it sets you up better. It does. So, I, I mean, that's... All positives across the board for the most part. Jake, I feel fine. Like I'm yeah. like this loss has not bothered me one bit. It, it bothered me a little bit in the moment because it's like, oh my god, that's such a Bears way to lose the right. game. But now, like going forward, that's like I said, it's exactly what you want. It's, it's and and we talked about it a, a little bit earlier. Like this is the perfect time to build that momentum, and and this seven this seven game stretch is going to be really important. And you know, we talked about the potential to actually have a, a above five hundred record at the end of this stretch, and. You know, a way that they can aid that, the last thing I want to mention is, you know, there's a lot of rumors, and, and uh, Bears fans do this, anytime a player gets cut, anytime a player is rumored to be on the trade block, he's got to be a Bear, you know, send him to the Bears, it, it has to happen, right, and we do this with every single player in the league, but Panthers fired Matt Rule, 
Yep. And Jay Glazer has reported that they are now going to look to sell off some players and go through this whole rebuild rebuild process. And they're probably going to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and, mm-hmm. and get some more draft capital. And a guy like D.J. Moore is, has been even rumored before this to be a guy that uh, you know could be on the trade block. And I think you have to explore it. You absolutely have to explore it. And, we, and we've heard Ryan Poles say a number of times now that they're going to try their hardest to make this roster better. And if you're really true to that, for the right price, I, I, I think it's a move that you have to make because, unfortunately, if you want to see Justin Fields continue this, like, I feel like you he can't he just simply can't be that consistent every single game given what he has around him. Like we will see right. games like this throughout the sure. year, but it's unreasonable to expect us to now see that every single week, especially when you have to play the Bills and the Eagles and the Packers later in the year and a couple good defenses. And if you just get one, I think Jake, it, one guy in there, and then you're talking about okay, this is our quote 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 unquote big three mm-hmm. of DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney and Vedas Jones Jr. I don't think people talk enough about how the lack of talent on offense affects Darnell Mooney as much as it affects Justin Fields sure. because I would have to go back and really see what defenses are doing. But I have to imagine they're probably doing a pretty good job of taking Darnell Mooney away, uh, you know, because they know that's the really only threat to their team uh, to opposing defense is Darnell Mooney. So you get a guy like DJ Moore in there for the rest of this year and, and really start to answer more questions about who Justin Fields can be. That way you erase any sort of doubt before the, the 2023 NFL draft. I think you got to do it. I mean, the market for wide receivers is weird because you had A.J. Brown traded for a first-round pick. Hollywood Brown was also traded for a first-round pick. But then Amari Cooper is traded for a fifth-round pick. Right. And everyone's like, well, what the fuck is going on here? If you got D.J. Moore for a third or fourth-rounder, I think you got to pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I mean, you have to look at what the Bears' situation looks like because you, know, like, you, you don't want to fall into the Ryan Pace trap of where you just sell things off and, and then you, you know. Are they getting a... A conditional? Are they are they getting from the Chargers? I want to say they I think are. so. I think you're right. I I believe you're right. I'd have to double check that, but you know, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to look at their 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 draft uh, their draft capital here in 2023. They have a round one pick. They have a round two pick. They have a round three pick. They have a round four pick. They have a round five pick. They have two round six picks and a seventh rounder. So. They have a pick in every single round this year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd prefer that you keep all those and not, you know, and, and I would prefer that you deal from excess and not, you know, kind of. Do, but, yeah, for I mean, for uh, Flyer and DJ Moore, I, I guess I could get on board with that. Maybe not a third, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, who knows if it even happens then. Too. Yeah. You, you, like, most likely he ends up on, like, the Rams or something. <laughs> yeah, mo- most, most likely. But, well, actually, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but it, I, I think you ha- you have to at least explore it. Like I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't no, think yeah, sure. Bears fans are stupid to to say that that could be a possibility. You know what no. I mean? So no, yeah, I mean I think it's definitely something that is worth exploring for sure. Hundred percent. Big big stretch coming up, man. There's a big seven game stretch coming up for how we view, how we see not only the Bears but you know really Justin Fields. I mean, for all these people that have questions, you're one of them. I mean, you, you although he had a great game, I know you're still. You're not 100% there yet. You're probably right, what, like I'm, 80% there. You're close. 70. 70. I mean, I you mean, just got to see, like, see the, show me the consistency. Yeah. Show me that it can happen on a week to week basis yeah. and not once a month. Big, 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 big game coming up against the Commanders on Thursday. And, I, and man, I'll, I'll be honest too. Like, I had thoughts before this Sunday game. I, I, I told, because I bought these tickets for my dad for Father's Day. I was like, 
should we sell these tickets? Like, <laughs> like should we? I mean, you, we've already seen this trend of primetime games being boring. Yeah, you know, especially and, the like having the games. unders hit on like almost everything. Yep. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Um, and I was like, should we sell them? But then after this game, seeing what Justin did, seeing the momentum that they created, I feel a little bit more excited to watch the Bears. Uh, yeah, well, and especially person. given that it's the Commanders and it's a winnable game. Yeah. Right. That, yeah, that helps too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the uh, quote-unquote moral victory of the month there. So silver linings, a couple positives to take away from the game, which is all you can ask for at this point. Like I said, ideal scenario where you get the progression from your players and you're, you're hopefully your long-term players, and then you still lose the game and set yourself up to draft another one of those guys. So ideal situation all across the board mostly. Um, we will break down the commanders later this week, a couple days, obviously Thursday, quick turnaround, but we'll take it. Winnable game, all things considered, positive feelings, like Kevin said, across the board. So until then, thank you for listening. We appreciate all of you for sticking with us. As always, we are brought to you by BetStamp. Go to BetStamp. Use code BEARS to go educate yourself. Make sure that you can win the most money possible. Help us help you. Go to BetStamp. Use our code BEARS. Until we see you again to break down the commanders later in the week in a couple days, day or two. We will see you then, and as always, bear down. Bear down.